This is Jeff Guy, and this is Surgery ICU Rounds. This is a continuation of um, our talks on issues of mechanical ventilation. Our last discussion was issues on PEEP and the effects of oxygenation, as well as some of the issues on ventilation. I'd like to pick up on that and talk about some more of the extrapulmonary um, effects of positive end expiratory pressure, um, namely looking at uh, issues in the cardiovascular system, uh, the uh, bronchial circulation, um, and um, going back to some issues on the nervous system. In addition, I'd like to talk about what is prophylactic PEEP and uh, a brief discussion on optimal PEEP. In your last um, um, episode, you remember that we talked that PEEP will actually decrease the cardiac output. So though we actually may improve the oxygenation in patients, uh, we actually may decrease the oxygen delivery if we impair the cardiac output. And this is largely due to an increase in the thoracic pressure. The intrathoracic pressure, as you remember, will reduce the uh, venous return and decrease venous return, will subsequently decrease cardiac output. But there are some other factors that will play into the effect of PEEP on the cardiovascular system. Uh, these are things such as lung and chest wall compliance, previous ventricular loading conditions, previous ventricular contractile function, as well as the sympathomimetic compensatory response. Let's look first at the role of lung and chest wall compliance and the impact of positive inexpiratory pressure on the cardiovascular system. Remember, as we increase the uh, uh, peak pressure, we can uh, basically fill the thorax uh, with uh, positive pressure, and that positive pressure impairs the venous return. When you have a situation with a decreased lung compliance, uh, such as ARDS, the lungs get more stiff, and therefore as we increase the PEEP, uh, the stiff lung is not able to transmit that uh, positive pressure as effectively uh, to the vascular system. And therefore, an ARDS, an elevated PEEP, will not result in as negative effect on the cardiovascular system as in someone who has a, a, a normal a compliant lung. Things that you do to improve the compliance of the bony thorax, for instance, a mediastronotomy or rib fractures, uh, also tends to reduce the transmission of PEEP to the cardiovascular system. Things that decrease chest wall compliance... Uh, such as abdominal distension, ascites, abdominal splinting, increased chest wall muscle tone, uh, will result in a more negative effect of PEEP onto the uh, cardiovascular system. How does PEEP uh, affect the um, right ventricular function specifically? As we increase the PEEP uh, beyond the level of the functional residual capacity, it basically will start putting a squeeze on the pulmonary vascular tone. Uh, this increase in the pulmonary vascular resistance uh, will cause compression of the intraalveolar blood vessels. When you combine this with ARDS, which results in pulmonary hypertension and an elevated pulmonary vascular resistance, the two of these effects will result in an increase in right ventricular afterload. According to the principles of the Frank Starlin mechanism, a normal circulating blood volume before the application of PEEP will ensure adequate preload and help in defending against uh, a decrease in right ventricular output resulting from the increase in afterload from the PEEP. But in the absence of, excuse me, but in the presence of hypovolemia, uh, PEEP will produce an abrupt decrease in cardiac output as well as blood pressure. So going over some of the, the elements that cause decrease uh, cardiac output, 
Uh, there have been several mechanisms proposed uh, to explain the decreased cardiac output following the application of PEEP. These are, number one, decreased venous return to the right side of the heart. We've talked about that. Increased right ventricular afterload, which we just mentioned. A decrease in ventricular compliance and a decreased ventricular contractility. And uh, a number of studies have shown that patients uh, who are on the ventilator, a fall in the cardiac output with PEEP, with PEEPs usually less than 15 centimeters of water, is mostly due to a reduction in the venous return. As you get to higher levels of PEEP, it appears that the cardiac output is is decreased by right ventricular afterload, i.e. We're, we're squeezing the vessels uh, in the lung, choking out the right side of the heart. And it uh, may contribute to the decreased left ventricular filling because uh, of the afterload um, in the pulmonary vasculature is increased, straining the right heart and preventing filling of the left heart. Remember uh, in one of our earlier talks when we talked about some of the relative contraindications for PEEP, we cautioned that elevated levels of PEEP um, should be uh, used in cases of uh, um, um, increased uh, intracranial pressure. PEEP, as we said, increases the intrathoracic pressure and lung distension which basically increases in right atrial pressure and a decrease in systemic venous return. This will also impair venous return from the head, which may cause increase in intracranial pressure and a decrease in cerebral blood flow. Husby, in the Journal of Applied Physiology back in 1978, and another uh, article by Burchell in Neurosurgery in 1981, demonstrated the effect of PEEP on intracranial pressure as a function of lung compliance. Luce did a study in uh, 19... 82 in dogs where he looked at increases in cerebral spinal fluid pressure. He showed that changes in intracranial pressure and cerebral blood flow with PEEP are not due to a decrease in volume of the spinal subarachnoid space. His, example, his uh, explanation is significantly more complicated. He demonstrated that cerebral blood flow is regulated by a starling resistor located between the sagittal sinus and the cerebral veins. Consequently, increases in superior vena cable and sagittal venous pressures up to the waterfall pressure of the cerebral veins do not affect intracranial pressure or the cerebral blood flow. However, once this waterfall pressure is exceeded, there is a direct relationship between the pressure of the superior vena cava, the sagittal sinus, and the cerebral veins. Looking at renal function, we mentioned in our last podcast that increased elevated levels of PEEP um, will, dem- will decrease renal blood flow. Um, and see a redistribution of renal blood flow from the cortical to the medullary uh, regions of the kidney, which may uh, account for an increased sodium retention. Also, experimental data has supported the PEEP-induced retention of atrial natriuretic peptide. PEEP could also decrease AMP production mechanically by compressing the atrium and decreasing right atrial stretch due to a decreased venous return. What is an optimal level of PEEP? Well, we know that PEEP can do some good, and we know that PEEP can do uh, some damage. So how do we determine for which individual patient and in which individual conditions is the appropriate level of PEEP to maximize the benefit and reduce any negative uh, uh, complications? The positive sides of PEEP is that you're going to improve your uh, oxygenation, increasing your PO2, and the negative sides are clearly a decrease in cardiac output, alveolar distension, and barotrauma. Now, when you have a hypoxic patient and you're looking at your choices of either an hypoxic death or, or subcutaneous emphysema or pneumothorax, clearly subcutaneous emphysema and pneumothorax are considered preferable to prolonged and severe hypoxemia. But barotrauma is not negligible, it is life threatening and should be avoided when at all possible. 
the other paradox in this is that by increasing the PEEP, you may actually increase your content of arterial oxygen, but you're doing so at the cost of your cardiac output. And keep in mind, it's oxygen delivery is really defined by your oxygen content um, and uh, multiplying that by your cardiac output. So if you're increasing your oxygen content and, and decreasing your cardiac output, it may be a wash and that you're not going to see any real or perceived benefit to the patient. To evaluate uh, these kind of interactions, Many people have looked for uh, methods to measure the optimal best level of PEEP or the best measure of oxygen delivery to the peripheral tissues in a patient in shock or distress. And this is really akin to the holy grail uh, of uh, critical care. One extreme approach to PEEP therapy uh, was described by um, some world-famous intensivists, uh, Dr. Gallinger, Savetta, and Kirby at the University of Florida in 1978 they developed what was really a super PEEP principle. And that PEEP was incrementally increased until the pulmonary shunt fraction fell below um, 15% of the um, cardiac output. And that fluid therapy impressors were administered to maintain a cardiac output during that period of time. And the PEEPs that they used in the super PEEPs experiment were, were dramatic. I mean, 43 and 57 centimeters of water uh, pressure in some patients. The authors claimed an improved survival rate uh, with this technique, um, um, but that uh, was never really um, um, validated by any controlled trials. A few years later, Dr. Lauren Nelson here at Vanderbilt uh, did uh, similar types of experiments where um, uh, taking aggressive uh, maneuvers to decrease the pulmonary shunt fraction uh, demonstrated an improvement in survival with ARDS. One of the more commonly Quoted methods of finding the optimal PEEP and refers to identification of the lower inflection point on a volume pressure curve. What they did was uh, recommended a super syringe measurement, and this is using something like a 3-liter uh, syringe. And they took measurements of the volume pressure curve to assist with PEEP adjustment and suggest that the best PEEP is the pressure immediately above the inflection point. This lower inflection point can really be seen on a volume pressure um, curve on a ventilator with a graphics package, and one looks at the inspiratory limb, one will see a, a sometimes subtle change in the uh, slope of the inspiratory limb, and that would be known as your lower inflection point. These authors would suggest that the PEEP is adjusted and suggest that the best PEEP is the pressure immediately above that lower inflection point, since this will move the tunnel ventilation to the linear portion uh, of the curve. Uh, furthermore, any uh, increase in PEEP above that inflection point would not improve lung mechanics and oxygenation and can actually overextend open air spaces, resulting in a depression of the cardiac output, like we've talked about earlier. Others have argued that that lower inflection point really shouldn't be your optimal PEEP, but your absolute minimal PEEP, because you need that level of PEEP uh, in a clinical setting to prevent an expiratory collapse of some of the terminal air spaces. Some authors would argue that an optimal PEEP is a level of PEEP uh, that will allow you to have an adequate um, uh, PaO2 on a blood gas with an FiO2 of less than 60. Remember in our last talk, we talked that oxygen was a biological toxin and that we can do something called the FiO2 PEEP slide, coming down on your FiO2, increasing your PEEP to get down to an arbitrary level of FiO2. We're not really certain what is the optimal level of FiO2 that will provide uh, the highest concentration of oxygen with the least amount of biological damage. We've never really been able to identify what's an adequate PO2, but a PO2 of say 60 or 70 millimeters of mercury certainly seems reasonable.
Next, we're going to talk about intrinsic peep or auto peep, or sometimes called a cult peep. And people can still have peep um, or alveolar pressure during the uh, expiratory phase, even in the absence of having applied peep on a mechanical ventilator. This will typically, typically occur um, uh, if uh, expiration time is shorter than the time required to decompress the lungs um, uh, due to uh, elastic equilibrium volume of the total respiratory system. Well, what does that mean? Um, if uh, a person is uh, breathing rapidly, and for instance, to get all the air out of their lungs, it takes them three seconds but uh, to exhale. That would be their E time, an E time of three seconds. And, and these numbers are arbitrary for the sake of discussion. But before the patient takes their next breath, they only have a two and a half second expiratory time. Well, some of the air is still retained. Well, eventually the patient will continue to stack those breaths, um, resulting in uh, an elevation of the uh, um, uh, intrinsic peep. Uh, an example of this would be to imagine an auditorium. If you had an auditorium that seated 100 people, and at the end of an hour of presentation, um, 95 of those people left. Um, what would happen is in the next hour, um, you would have people come in, maybe another 100 people or another 85, 90 group of people, and another five stay. Well, that accumulation of people would result to the point where as more people were coming in, there would be less and less seats for them because of the people that stayed uh, after that hour uh, presentation. And that would be kind of an equivalent to an intrinsic or an auto peep, is that we're not allowing enough time for people to get out of the theater before we allow uh, more people in. And this unexpected people have the same negative cardiovascular effects that you would see um, uh, in a patient uh, with a um, uh, peep that you're intentionally applying, namely uh, dropping in the cardiac output. Well, why is this problematic? Well, we you'll remember from one of our earlier talks on modes of mechanical ventilation, we talked about a trigger for a ventilator to uh, cycle. A uh, patient typically has to uh, pull a breath, dropping the pressure um, to fire the trigger. That pressure is typically set at minus two sonometers of pressure. So if you had a patient who is on a ventilator and they're on 10 of PEEP, and that trigger is set at minus two, that means the patient has to inhale a breath to get that pressure to go from 10 to 8. And once it is at 8, the ventilator cycles, and the patient gets a mechanical breath. Now, if a patient has, if you set the PEEP at 10, and the trigger at minus 2, meaning drawing the pressure to 8, but the patient, say, has 4 of auto PEEP, that means the patient's got to go from 10 plus 4 to 14. But the machine is still going to trigger at 8. So rather than pulling uh, a minus 2 um, um, uh, inspiratory force to drop it, the patient now has to pull um, a 6 uh, centimeters of uh, pressure to get the ventilator to trigger. So that's one uh, clear element of it uh, that makes it more difficult for the patient to synchronize with the ventilator and actually trigger a tidal cycle. The other element of this is, as we mentioned earlier, that the accumulation of positive pressure in the thorax has negative cardiovascular effects. This can be frequently seen when we look at patients who are ambu-bagged. We've all been to codes, we've all seen patients transported, and we typically breathe a patient on a ventilator once every you know, if you look at a rate of 10 or 12 times a minute, once every 5 to 6 seconds. But next time you see a patient in an in a emergency, you'll see somebody bagging the patient. Bag, 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 
bag almost two to three times the required mechanical rate. And frequently they're bagging the patient before all of the air has exited the lungs. Uh, a typical scenario is a patient will get admitted to an intensive care unit from either the operating room or the emergency department or the helicopter, what have you, and the patient's hypotensive, and you can observe that the patient is being bagged quickly. One thing to consider is just going over, removing the AMBU bag, and allowing the patient to have a nice long expiratory phase. And sometimes you'll hear a large exhalation, and the patient's blood pressure will immediately come up. And the reason why it's coming up is you're decompressing uh, some of that air in the thorax. It's not extra. It's not uh, extra pulmonary. It's actually air in the lungs. It's not air around the lungs like a tension in the thorax. But the physiology is very similar. You have air that's in the thorax that's impeding cardiac return. You allow a long enough expiratory phase, and the the patient's allowed to exhale, bringing the intrathoracic pressures back down the normal. Now there are certain disease conditions of the patient that predispose them um, for the development of intrinsic or auto peep, and these are conditions that result in a prolonged expiratory phase. The most common condition that results in the most significant amount of uh, intrinsic peep is chronic obstructive pulmonary disease or COPD. And the intrinsic peep in these kind of patients can typically be very large because they have an expiratory flow limitation. What's absolutely mind-boggling that in some of these patients, 20 to 30 seconds of relaxed expiration is not sufficient for a complete exhalation. So you can certainly be mindful of these patients having an element of intrinsic PEEP, but also be mindful that you really, on a patient who is reasonably mechanically ventilated, you're never going to totally uh, have a patient with COPD where you're not going to have some element of auto-PEEP. Another condition where patients will have an increased expiratory uh, time or an increased resistance to uh, uh, expiratory flow is pulmonary edema. Intrinsic PEEP is also very common in multiple trauma patients, as uh, Fred Moore demonstrated uh, in the Journal of Trauma in 1990. And certainly one element that contributes uh, to auto-PEEP in trauma patients is their need for a high admitted ventilation due to their high metabolic demand. Another medical condition that requires uh, consideration of uh, setting your people level are patients uh, with a history of asthma. That concludes um, uh, this talk on some of the uh, additional effects of PEEP. Um, you may have found this uh, particular episode a little bit more involved and a little bit more difficult than on the first episode of uh, PEEP. This is really geared more towards the uh, more experienced uh, clinician and perhaps the fellow. Hope you found this uh, beneficial. The podcast is uh, Surgery ICU Rounds. My name is Jeffrey Guy. Have a nice day.